This morning I want to talk about triumphing through trials. And we, we sang, we started this, the service this morning with uh, this um, verse from Psalm, Psalm, from Philippians verse 4, um, that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, or I can do all things through him, but the reference is to Christ who strengthens me. And so this morning we're going to look at what it means to triumph through our trials because there are many of us who are facing trials right now. There are many of us who are facing testing moments where we are maybe asking ourselves, Lord, where are you? Where are you, God, in the midst of this? And if we're not asking that question, then we're saying, Lord, how do I deal with this situation? How do I come through this situation? But we have a God who is concerned, a God who is committed to us walking in victory, us living lives as victors, not as victims. Amen? Because we are. We are victors, not victims. And uh, as we look at what how Paul dealt with the many trials that he himself faced in life, I believe that there are lessons that we can apply to ourselves today in our current context that will help us to face and to deal better with the t- testings and the trials that we face. For every single one of us, it's going to be different. You know, um, what, what might be a test for one person, someone else might just breeze through it. But nevertheless, if, if it's a test for us as individuals, then it's a test. And we can't belittle it and we can't wait up and say, well, this is more greater than another. If we find ourselves struggling with those things, then it's a test. It's a trial. But there are ways um, through uh, Holy Spirit that God himself will help us to come through that. So let's read in uh, Philippians 4. And I'm just going to read uh, verses 10 through to 13. We probably know uh, the, the context of, uh, actually, I'm, what I'll do is I'll, actually I'll, I'll read from the very beginning. I know this wasn't planned, but just to put it into context, some context, we'll go from verse 1 of Philippians chapter 4 and we'll read to verse 13. And this morning, uh, please bear with me, the text on the screen will be the English Standard Version, but I actually this morning I'm reading from um, the, the, Jew, the, the Jewish Bible um, because just the way that it, fr- it phrases things, particularly the text that I want us to refer to this morning, it just puts it in such a, 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 an easy to understand way. And so it says this, but it will be ESV on the, the screen. Verse 1 says, So my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and my crown, my dear friends, keep standing firm in union with the Lord. And there, right at the very beginning, is a key. We stand firm not by ourselves, but we stand firm when we are in union with Christ Jesus. Amen? It's not a, he, he empowers us. I beg Evodia and I beg, beg Syncate to agree with each other in union with the Lord. I also request you, loyal Sygaius, to help though these women, for they have worked hard proclaiming the good news with me, along with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers, whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in union with the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let everyone see how reasonable and gentle you are. 
The Lord is near. Don't worry about anything. On the contrary, make your requests known to God by prayer and petition with thanksgiving. Verse 7. Then God's shalom, passing all understanding, will keep your hearts and minds safe in union with the Messiah, Yeshua. In conclusion, brothers, focus your thoughts on what is true, noble, righteousness, righteous, pure, lovable, or admirable, on some virtue or on some, something praiseworthy. Keep doing what you have learned and received from me, what you have heard and seen me doing. Then the God who gives shalom will be with you. And here are our key verses for this morning, verses 10 to 13. In union with the Lord, I greatly rejoice that now, after this long time, you have let your concern for me express itself again. Of course, you were concerned for me all along, but you had no opportunity to express it. Not that I am saying to be content regardless of circumstances. I know what it is to be in want, and I know what it is to have more than enough. I know what it is to be in want, and I know what it is to have more than enough. In everything and in every way, I have learned the secret of being full and being hungry, of having abundance and being in need. I can do all things through him who gives me power. And Father, we ask, Lord God, that by your Spirit, Lord, you bring revelation, understanding, and inspiration, that as we read your word, Lord, you'll renew our minds, and as we hear your word, Lord, let it transform our lives. And remember that when, as we hear the word, that again, the, the, the Jewish concept is that we don't hear the word without expecting, expecting it to have effect in us. There is, there's no question of hearing the word and not obeying it. So, you know, I just pray that we come to it uh, with that attitude of mind this morning, that as Holy Spirit reveals something, brings something, that there is no second guessing, but actually we say, Lord, I'm, I'm here, I'll, I'm willing to obey. And as we read this passage, it tells, it tells us something about Paul's powerful journey into an unshakable faith because that's what he had, was an unshakable faith. I, I suppose many of us would wish that we had that same unshakable faith. Many of us would wish that, there would know that there's times when we face situations and suddenly what we thought was a strong faith suddenly isn't so strong. We see the cracks appearing. And many of us would want to know and to experience this unshakable faith that Paul himself demonstrates here. And so in these, these few verses, I want us to look at the eyes, because Paul talks about eyes in, in that text. And I want us to look at the eyes that led Paul to having and developing this unshakable faith because those same eyes can help us and shape our lives today in our context. God's word is unchanging. God's word is still as powerful and effective today as it was then. Amen? And so we have to expect that the word of God is going to do something in us. Paul knew what it was to be in trials. 
He knew what it was. And, you, you know, some of us have said, oh, you don't know what it's like, you know, what my life is like. You don't know what I've been through. Paul knew what, what it was to go through testings. Paul had situations that could have resulted in his death. He faced situations that meant, could have meant death for him. He was uh, whipped five times. Uh, and the, the scriptures say um, 40 less one. And uh, Paul received 39 lashes, five, no less than five times. And it was 39 lashes. And here's the significance of the Easter story. You see, 40 lashes was considered enough to kill a man. And so they always did stop at the 39. But five times Paul received 39 lashes. Three times he was beaten with rods, he tells us in his letters. One time he was stoned and three times he was shipwrecked. And so Paul knew what it was to have trials and testings. So in comparison to that, what can we say? And I know we don't compare, but listen, you know, we whinge and moan about the sl smallest things, but Paul had something, if anyone had something to, to complain about, it was Paul. And yet in the midst of all that, Paul learned something about what it is to have an unshakable faith. In other words, he was, if you like, he was, he was if you like, reflecting the words of the song that we sang a moment ago, this is how we fight our battle. And Paul was saying, this is how I do it. This is how I roll, as it were. You know, not, and we've already seen that he's, he's, he's given us a key because he said, it's not about me, it's not about my strength, not anything in me. But the reason I'm able to do this stuff is because I'm in fellowship with Christ Jesus. I'm in union with Christ Jesus. And right at the very start, we need to be clear about where our foundation is because our foundation cannot be in anything or anyone else except the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want to just take this moment just to take an aside that right at, you know, to offer an apology publicly, because right at the very beginning, you know, I did joke about the football, but I want to be clear about this. It was a joke because there is nothing, there is nothing that supersedes the Lord Jesus Christ. Football does not compare Sport does not compare to the Lord Jesus Christ. I know some people will stay at home to watch, you know, to watch sport. Well, let me ask you something. What does that tell you about their relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ? Because he comes first above all else. There is no, no one and nothing else that compares to him. And Paul, in verse 10 there, he, Paul starts by saying, and I'm referring back now to ESV, Paul begins by saying, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. And what we see here is Paul rejoicing in the midst of his testing situations. Paul rejoicing in the midst of his tribulations because f Paul found that his joy was not in externals, but his joy could only be found in the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's the same for us. Listen, we can search anywhere and everywhere, but we will not find true joy except in the Lord Jesus Christ. I know what it is to be on the other side. I know what it is to live without Christ. And I know what it is to live with Christ. And I know which one I will choose every time, every time toward Jesus. 
because the joy, the hope, the life that comes in and through Christ Jesus compares to nothing else. This world has nothing to offer us. Nothing that compares to him. And in these verses, Paul expresses his gratitude and the support that he has received from the saints, from the Philippian saints. He acknowledges the care and the support that he's had from them in, those, in these most difficult of times, in his time of need. Listen to what uh, it says in, in 1 Peter um, about um, rejoicing in our circumstances. 1 Peter 1 verses 6 to 9. So I'm just trying to find it. It's a smaller text in this Bible. And in 1 Peter 1, verse 6 to 9, it says this, Rejoice in this, even though for a little while you may have, you may have to experience grief in various trials, even gold is tested for genuineness by fire. The purpose of these trials is so that your trusts genuineness which is far more valuable than perishable gold will be judged worthy of praise glory and honor at the revealing of Yeshua the Messiah and Peter tells us there what it is to to endure what it is to uh, rejoice in the midst of our circumstance and listen to rejoice is not to deny the pain of our suffering to rejoice in the midst of our circumstances, not to deny uh, what is actually happening around us. Excuse me. I'm not saying that we are people who live in denial. But I'm, what I'm saying is that in spite of the circumstance, we look to him because we are anchored firmly in Christ, in who he is, what he says he will do. And because of that, in the midst of whatever our circumstance, we are able to give thanks and to rejoice. It's not an either or situation. Our pain and our suffering can coexist with our rejoicing. It's not an either or. It's, a, I suppose, the same thing where... Um, the lightness, and I wouldn't know, but I can only guess. I suppose it's, it's a bit like when mothers give birth. There is the, the pain, the travailing of, um, in order to bring forth a new life. But in the, at the same time, there is a joy uh, at the thought of um, producing this, this new life, this bundle of joy. And it's not an either or. The two coexist together. And in the same way that a mother focuses on the end, as it were, she says, I, you know, I, I don't know, I'm guessing. I, I'm, I suppose you, you mothers probably think, oh, well, it's a, it's, it's a little bit of pain, but uh, I can endure. <laughs> All right, then. All right, then. It's a whole heap of pain, right? Uh, it's, a, it's a lot of pain, but you're looking to the end in terms of what the, the end product will be, and you consider it worth it. Your focus is on the end. And likewise, we as saints, we as the, the followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, 
we can rejoice because our focus isn't on the here and now, but our focus is on what is to come, what could be, what is, what is in the future. And likewise, we, as we focus on the Lord Jesus Christ, our multicolored, multifaceted trials become bearable because we know it is but for a moment. You see, in our trials, you see, in our testing, we can rejoice in our salvation. Praise God for our salvation. That's something to give thanks for, isn't it? We can rejoice in that. We can rejoice in the fact that we are new creations, that we have new birth. Therefore, anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. We can rejoice in that in the midst of our trials and our testing. We can rejoice in our inheritance that the Bible says will never perish, spoil, or fade. God has given us something that's eternal, something that will outlive, outlast our mortal lives. We can rejoice in that. We can rejoice in our eternal security, in the knowledge that nothing can separate us from the love of God. There are plenty of things that we can rejoice in, in the midst of our times of trials and testing. It's simply shifting our focus and having the right focus, not on what is happening around us, but who Jesus is. In the midst of the storm, we focus on him. We anchor ourselves on him. Glory to God. And Paul continues by declaring that I am not speaking. This is in verse 11. I am not speaking of being in need. And this second I is Paul speaking about, he's saying, I have confidence in the Lord God's provision. I have confidence in who Jesus is. I have confidence in what he says he will do. And we too can have that same confidence in Christ Jesus. It, and as Paul comes to this revelation, and it is a revelation, as he comes to the revelation of who Christ Jesus is and his provision and the fact that Christ is sufficient in all things, it brings him to a place of contentment. It brings him to a place of stopping striving. You see, I know I've lived my life where I've, I've, never, I've not lived in the moment. And what I mean is this, is I've had periods of my life where I've always look to the next time, the next season, where I think things will be better when I'm in the next season. Do you know what I'm talking about? Where we think, oh, well, you know, so I think, you know, when the children are a bit older, then we'll be able to do this. Uh, and then they get older, and then you find you can't do that, and then something else comes along. And, and, but you're always living in the next season. The thing is, is when we nev if we never learn to live in the moment, in the present moment, in terms of what God is doing, if we're always living somewhere else, we never find that place of contentment. Because we're always striving, we're always seeking, we're always look, looking to get to the next place. And Paul understood this. And Paul tells us and teaches us that through Christ's strength and the enabling power of Holy Spirit, he learned what it is to be content. Paul could have said, you know, Paul could have easily said, you know, when he was shipwrecked, oh, I shouldn't have got on the boat. You know, I'd rather be somewhere else. When he was being whipped and beaten, Paul could have said, oh, I wish I hadn't have said that. I, I, you know, if I hadn't have said that, then I wouldn't have been in this position. You know, I've, I've had moments in my, in my life um, 
and, and again, some of you will have experienced this, where you've had those awkward moments or those um, moments that you'd rather not have faced and then you replay it and you think, if I had done this differently or if I'd have gone a different way or not said this then I wouldn't be in the position I'm in now. But we need to learn to live in the moment with Christ Jesus. You see, God has put his spirit in us. Holy Spirit dwells in us and Holy Spirit serves as a reminder that Jesus is still working in our present moment. Jesus is still working in our lives right now. It's not what it, fantastic that you know, God has done things in the past, that he'll do things in the future, but we need to know that God is working in our present circumstances and Holy Spirit is the one who affirms us in that to know. And so we come to a place of contentment when we work, as Paul says, in union, in union with Christ Jesus, in union with God, in union with Holy Spirit. When we work in union, when we abide in him, it brings us to a place of contentment, knowing, knowing that God will provide, knowing that God himself, that Christ Jesus is sufficient. He is our all in all. And then in verse 12, Paul goes on to say, I know how to be brought low and I know how to bind in, how to abound in any and every circumstance. I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger and abundance and need. And Paul learned that Holy Spirit is the one who empowers him for every situation for every circumstance, for every challenge that life brings. Whatever you, we are going through and you know, whatever we are facing, know this, that you are thoroughly equipped to deal with it. You might not believe it at the time, but you need to know that God has given you everything because Holy Spirit lives in us. He has given us everything we need to overcome whatever it is we are facing. We can, we can do it because we're enabled and empowered by Holy Spirit. Through him, Paul was equipped to conquer the challenges. And more than that, Paul by Holy Spirit was equipped to thrive whatever the season. And likewise, we as the people of God, as the saints of God, we too by Holy Spirit are equipped and enabled to thrive in every season, whatever the season. You know, if we talk in terms of seasons, in the winter we tend to wrap up warm. We need warm coats and um, multi, we multi-layered to keep the warmth in. Well, whatever the season, whatever the spiritual season, Holy Spirit equips us to deal with it. Holy Spirit equips us to come through the situation. So it doesn't matter what our season is. It doesn't really matter what is happening. We simply need to know that Holy Spirit has equipped us and we work in that and we work out of that knowledge, understanding that, that we are equipped for every season. God has not equipped us, and I use this phrase, God has not equipped us just simply to survive. He's equipped us to thrive. And and what that means is sometimes we live our lives, and, and I'm the same, sometimes we live our lives and we think, oh, it's just enough if I get through. Um, there were times when I was doing exams, 
and um, I had a mentality where I just wanted to do enough. I was happy to do enough to get through. And maybe some of you have been like that. You know, there's been situations and circumstances where you're just happy to get through. That's just the surviving mentality. But God doesn't want us to just get through. God wants us to thrive, to flourish, to blossom, to experience life in all its fullness as we abide in him. And through Holy Spirit, we are equipped to do that. The same Spirit, the same Holy Spirit that equipped Paul to say rejoice, and again I say rejoice in the midst of all his circumstance, is the same Holy Spirit who lives in me and lives in you. And if he, was a, and if he enabled and empowered Paul, how much more can we be confident that he enables and equips us to do the same thing? God wants his people to thrive, not just survive. Whatever is happening in our worlds, we are called to thrive, not just survive. And now, <laughs> my notes have disappeared. <laughs> um, so, let me, let me just uh, see if I can pick this up again. And come to the last point on my, on my message. So the last thing then that Paul was talking about is um, in verse 13. And this is the key verse. This is the key verse that Paul talks about. It's a key verse that we all uh, quote from time to time. And we quote it, um, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But, you know, or through him who strengthens me. And this is where Paul is going when he says all of those things, rejoice and again I say rejoice. You know, this is where Paul is leading us. He's leading us to this point where we understand that actually we can, where we believe that in Christ we can do all things because of the one who strengthens us. Because it's not dependent on us. It's not dependent on our skills and our ability, our talents and our giftings. It's dependent on the Lord Jesus Christ, on his Holy Spirit working in us. And it's because Paul, remember Paul said a couple of times in that, in that chapter that he, because of the union that he has with Christ, because of the relationship that he has with Christ, he understood that because he was anchored firmly in Christ, there was nothing that was impossible for him because of his relationship and his attachment to Christ Jesus. And this text, in terms of I can do all things through him who strengthens me, is an empowerment for God's people. It's a declaration. We speak it out I can do all things through him who strengthens me. We're not saying I can do all things because I'm this or I'm that or because I've learned this or I've learned that or because I have this amount of resource. We say we can do all things through him who strengthens me. Honoring him, recognizing, humbling ourselves and recognizing our dependence on the Lord Jesus Christ. 
It's a proclamation. As we declare that, it allows us to navigate the challenges of life. Not, what was I going to say, flippantly. You know, it's not, this is not just something that we throw out there um, and hope for the best. But it's a declaration. It's a declaration to self, but it's also a declaration to the heavenlies. It's a declaration to the powers and the principalities that I can do all things through him who strengthens me. It's not wishful thinking. It's a declaration. It's a declaration to self. And sometimes we need to talk to ourselves. We need to give ourselves a good talking to, some people would say. Um, Because in the same way that we can talk ourselves out of things, we were in a men's meeting yesterday and one of the things we were we were asked to do is we said we were asked to talk about the good things in our lives the good the things that we're good at and there was an acknowledgement that generally men are not very good at talking about the things that we're good at we can identify all the faults that we have because our wives tell us um <laughs> but <laughs> no no uh we no it isn't um, we can, we're very good at identifying all our faults, and all of us are like that. You know, if, we were to, if I was to say, tell me you know, three good things about you, three good things that you like about yourself, we would struggle. most of us would struggle. But if I say, tell me three of your faults, you know, there's a whole list of them that, that come up. And so sometimes what we actually need to do is we actually need to do what it says in, in, in Romans 12 to take our thoughts and, uh, and bring them, um, uh, or re- renew our mind rather. Um, we need to, there needs to be a renewing of our mind so that we think differently and actually we think positively. And instead of talk, speaking negatively about ourselves, we begin to speak positively, not positive thinking, we begin to speak positively in terms of saying and coming into agreement with what the word of God says about who we are. Because how many of you know that we can become a self-fulfilling prophecy? In that if we tell ourselves something long enough, we'll begin to believe it. And so we need to, uh, we need to bring under control our wrong thinking, all those thoughts that don't align with what God says, all those thoughts that are contrary to uh, what God says about us in his word, bring them under the subjection of Christ Jesus, the lordship of Christ Jesus, renew our thinking and begin to speak the word of God over our lives. Hallelujah. We need to be those that not only say it, but actually believe it, that I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Hallelujah. Praise God. And so Paul speaks about the many eyes. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I, um, I am in union with the Lord. I greatly rejoice. I know what it is to be in lack and in plenty. Paul speaks about the many eyes. But in summary, what Paul tells us to do are these things. He says, in the midst of our circumstances, in the midst of our trials, he says, cultivate a grateful heart. 
Learn to be grateful. Learn to be thankful. Don't look at the negatives, but actually look, don't look at what you don't have. Look at what you do have. And there are many things that we have in our lives. So Paul says, cultivate a grateful heart. Paul says, begin to invest ourselves in the relationship with Christ Jesus. Begin to, to, to um, live abiding lives in Christ Jesus. To use Paul's word, um, live in union with Christ Jesus. Um, you know... You know um, deepen our relationship, position ourselves so that we can have, cultivate deeper relationships with the Lord Jesus Christ, intimacy with God through Holy Spirit. So invest in our relationship with Christ. And Paul, I think, also teaches us to embrace the journey. None of us have arrived yet. We're all works in progress, myself included, but we are on a journey one of the things that I say for those people who don't yet know Christ, and maybe you're one of those who are you're watching online, and maybe you wouldn't say that you are a, call yourself a Christian, but I believe this, that most people are on a journey toward knowing Christ. They've just not arrived yet. But even we who have professed the Lordship of Christ Jesus continue on a journey to knowing God, to cultivating deeper intimacy with him and understanding who we are in and through Christ Jesus. So we need to learn to embrace the journey. Whatever happens along the way, we all know that bad things happen to good people and I'm not saying that we are necessarily good people but you know we're not bad in the sense of how the world measures it but the reality is that bad things happen to good people, but we need to be a people who know how to navigate the circumstances and the situations of life, even when they're not going our way seemingly, to know what it is to rejoice, to give thanks, and to make that declaration in all truth with the understanding having anchored ourselves in Christ Jesus, know what it is to, to say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Glory to God.